Hello, listeners. I skipped last week's episode of SourceCast because I was driving down California's Pacific Coast Highway, which, by the way, did you know, was 655 miles long. But I digress. While I was cruising down the highway, hitting Monterey, Big Sur, and San Luis, I disconnected. I put my phone in my backpack, and I just drove. And that's a hard thing for me to do. I'm the guy that goes on vacation. I'm constantly checking my phone. I'm constantly staying checked in with my coworkers and my bosses and making sure that I'm not missing anything or that I drop the ball on something because that is how I typically manage my own anxiety. But it's kind of crazy to have anxiety about going on vacation or being away from work. But that's how my brain's wired and I know I'm not alone. So I'm going to start my cold opening today with an article from the Wall Street Journal on how to disconnect from an always-on work culture, written by Matthew Kitchen. And I quote, According to a 2016 study by the Academy of Management, employees tally an average of eight hours a week answering work-related emails after leaving the office, which echoes a 2015 Harris poll for the American Psychological Association, which found that 30% of men and 23% of women regularly bring work home. Many experts in psychology agree this extra work causes stress, ruins sleep habits, and cripples our ability to stay active and engaged during actual office hours. Many countries are trying to come up with laws and practices to prevent work burnout. The Japanese, who I have discussed quite a bit recently on the podcast, they have been working on cultural adjustments and policies so that their workers don't stay in the office until 10 o'clock every night waiting for their bosses to leave. And also, as I mentioned last week, to combat their shrinking population issue. In 2017, France instituted a new labor law that allows workers the right to disconnect, that they cannot be dinged or be given a black mark on their record if they choose not to answer phone calls after working hours. Similar laws have been extended in Italy and the Philippines, and those laws are being explored in Germany, Luxembourg, and apparently New York City, which I never see happening. The Wall Street Journal article basically goes on to say that technology is what enables us to remain always connected and could potentially be the cure, as there are some telephone and calendar technologies being implemented that will prevent people from bothering you if you choose not to be bothered after work hours. This week's episode was inspired by California. I am not going to do a full episode about the Pacific Coast Highway or about anything that's being exported out of the Pacific Coast Highway, which I hope there isn't anything being exported from state parks, essentially. But I wanted to start with this idea of disconnecting and enjoying your life. But the rest of this podcast is inspired by this trip to California. The rest of this podcast will discuss things that California is doing that makes it unique to effectively protect consumer information and consumer rights. So yes, this is a bit of a hodgepodge, but screw it. I'm Joey Lombardi, and this is SourceCast episode 131. So the first thing that I want to talk about is California's attempt to reenact net neutrality laws. As we have covered several times on this podcast, net neutrality laws were eliminated thanks to the FCC and the FCC chairman, Ajit Pai. But California did not take this ruling lying down. Since those actions have occurred, California has been attempting to reenact net neutrality laws for the state. And the Justice Department, led by Jeff Sessions, is pushing back hard. Last week, the Justice Department sued the state of California to stop the state's new law that would guarantee full and equal access to the internet to the state's residents. Attorney General Jeff Sessions said that California's net neutrality law 
was illegal because Congress granted the federal government through the FCC the sole authority to create rules for broadband internet providers. Sessions said in a statement, states do not regulate interstate commerce. The federal government does. Once again, the California legislator has enacted an extreme and illegal state law attempting to frustrate federal policy. According to a New York Times article, since the FCC dismantled federal net neutrality rules last December, four states, including California, passed their own net neutrality laws. The FCC has argued that the states are not allowed to create new rules, but state legislators and consumer groups have said that they are prepared to fight any lawsuits. In a CNN business article, State Senator Scott Weiner said it is critically important for states to step in. I should note that Scott Weiner co-authored the net neutrality bill in California. He goes on to say that what California does definitely impacts the national conversation. I do believe that this bill will move us into a positive direction nationally on net neutrality. In that CNN article by Heather Kelly, she goes on to quote a professor at Stanford Law School, Barbara Van Schweck, who says that the California bill is on solid legal ground and California is within their legal rights. And I quote, an agency that has no power to regulate has no power to preempt the states, according to case law. When the FCC repealed the 2015 Open Internet Order, it said it had no power to regulate broadband internet access providers. That means that the FCC cannot prevent the states from adopting net neutrality protection because the FCC's repeal order removed its authority to adopt such protections. There seems to be a general consensus that at some point California will prevail, but Jeff Sessions and the DOJ will be effective at delaying any new protections for consumers in California and also opening up Pandora's box for each state to come up with its own net neutrality laws. California is also in the news this week because they are forcing hardware manufacturers that provide default passwords for their hardware, for instance, a router that has a simple password like password, they're introducing a law that those default passwords have to be much more complicated and unique so devices are not easily hacked into. Vice.com's motherboard website is applauding the movement and saying that this is a step in the right direction. The article written by Marco Verk goes on to say that as the internet grows, more and more everyday home items are connected to the internet, from microwaves, thank you Alexa, to baby monitors. And as soon as these devices are connected to the web, it becomes vulnerable to hacking. We have all heard the stories of babies being tormented by hackers and families being creeped out by someone talking over the baby monitors. And most of us now have these smart speaker devices in their homes, which honestly are a little bit harder to hack. You'd have to hack into someone's Google or Amazon account. But the idea of having a device with a microphone in your house that could be hacked, it's not the best feeling in the world. And I might add, yes, we totally brought that upon ourselves because we basically have a bunch of live microphones that are always recording in our houses now. I have like seven of them, but it would be good if there were some protections to at least maybe prevent that from happening. And the third piece of information about California and how it's protecting its citizens, California is trying to make it illegal for bots to pass themselves off as humans. You may be wondering, what does that even mean? At the moment, if you're on Facebook and Twitter, there could be a bot that's publishing information or fake news that could be designed to change your opinion about a particular topic. And you may not know that it's a bot. You may not know that it is an automated device or an automated algorithm that's attempting to influence you, that's attempting to infiltrate your thought processes, and that it could do so at a much higher frequency because it's not a human being. So California wants to make it a law that a bot must identify itself as a bot on Twitter or Facebook or any other social media. 
Jerry Brown's been at the center of all of these things. He wants to ban those automated accounts, those bots, from pretending to be real people and selling products to you. This notion of identifying the bots was fully embraced by Robert Hertzberg, a state senator from California, who also pushed for new laws forcing robots to disclose their humanity. Hertzberg told the New York Times that he was the subject of a bot attack over bail reform, and he decided to fight back with bots. He launched his own bot in January, but per the California law, his account tells people that it's a bot. On its Twitter profile, it says, I am a bot. Automated accounts like mine are made to misinform and exploit users. But unlike most bots, I'm transparent about being a bot. That was very meta. So what I'm seeing is a state that is trying to get in front of technology and the changes that are happening to society. California, by all rights, should be ahead of the other states because it is a hotbed for this technology. Most of these things are being developed in Silicon Valley, in San Francisco, in San Diego. California is the fifth largest economy on the planet. So yeah, these senators, they know where their bread is being buttered. They should get in front of it, and they should try to protect everyday humans that are sort of caught in between the pulls of technology and the more malicious intentions of some independent agents. I know there are some people who are concerned with the government getting involved in technology, potentially slowing it down, but I think situations with Facebook and with the elections and with all the hacks that's been happening, like with Equifax, it's important for the government to understand what this technology is doing, how this technology can be exploited, and how to protect the citizens of the United States and the world. So kudos, California, for showing the other states how to get off their asses and protect their people, and for also encouraging me to shut my phone off and enjoy Mother Nature. And that's all we have for this week. You can find us Westcast on iTunes, Google Music, and all of your favorite podcasting applications. Sourcecast is recorded in Bucolic, Mandra, New Jersey. And it's produced by my dad. The outro is performed by me, Ben Lombardi. And music is provided by Patrick Lee. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week.